Chapter 31 of the Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The Boy with the Scar. When we found out that the ghost in the lonely house was really an old man and not a ghost at all, believe me, every boy in our club was just as glad as I was. I don't like to believe in ghosts, and I'm always so glad when I can prove that what the other fellows think is a ghost is nothing but a real live person after all. I expected to get a call from Judge Granberry to come up and tell what we knew about the old man and the lonely house, but on the day after we made our discovery, Doc Waters came down to our clubhouse, and after the meeting was over, he followed me into my writing room while the other boys went out to skate on the frozen river. Well, Hawkins, he said, your old man has been taken to the hospital in Watertown. They say he is crazy, but I'm not so sure. How much do you think was in that one bag of gold coins we found in the cellar of the old mill, where he had hidden it? How much? One thousand and twenty-seven dollars. And if we can believe the old man, there was about a hundred thousand dollars hidden away in that whole house. How can you tell? Well, you told me that the old man was there about three months. Jefferson says that's about right. It tallies with the disappearance of the old man from his home in Watertown, according to the information. Well, that's about 90 days. The old man says he has been putting away a sack of gold each night, hiding it under the mill. 90 sacks? Ye understand? Golly Moses, I broke in. Where did it all go to? We only found the one bag of gold. That's what I'm coming to, if you'll give me time, said Doc. Of course. Those smart doctors from Watertown say the old man is crazy. They say he carried the same sack each night and imagined he was carrying another sack each night. But he tells Mr. Jackerson and me that he took one sack from the hidden room each night to the mill and hid it. Yet each time he came to find the hiding place empty of course he's a little off his noodle he couldn't understand why the pile of sacks didn't grow the great doctors from watertown said he never had but one sack and but we saw him take it there i broke in again excitedly and we found it yeah said doc and believe me hawkins he brought about ninety more sacks of gold into that old mill and they disappeared take it from me there was a fortune in that old lonely house. The question is, where did it go? I glanced up quickly at Doc's eyes, then catching him, look, I nodded. I know, I said. I know what you're driving at now. You think I can tell you? You got a sneaking notion somewhere back in your head that I know who took those bags of gold out of the old mill after the man put them there each night. Well, I'll tell you the truth. As I always do, Doc, I don't know. Doc got up. And if you didn't know, he said, it happened to be somebody you had promised not to tell. I guess you keep your word. I looked at him square in the eye. I looked at him hard. And he returned the look with a little smile about his lips. And then he went out. And he closed the door softly behind him. Left alone, I sat dreaming. What an awful mess we boys were always getting into. And all the time the worries were left to me. 
All the time I was given the job of setting things right. Always there was trouble in her town, and whenever there was, the trouble was sure to drift down until it came around to our old clubhouse on the river bank, and we boys got tangled up in it, and then it was nobody but myself who was expected to figure a way out of it. Ah, well, I smiled. What difference? We had come through many troubles, but always in the end, we had come out all right. Many times we had been under suspicion, but always had proven ourselves worthy of Judge Granberry's trust. He called us his junior police, by the saints. We would still prove to him that we were true blue, and with that thought in mind, I threw my worries to the winds and started to write minutes of the day's meeting. I scribbled in my book for half an hour, I guess. I'm a slow writer, but I like to write, and the time pieces quickly when I have my pen in my hand. The little old brass clock ticked away, and the ticks sounded loud. Once in a while, I could hear the whistle of an ice-locked steamboat on the river, and then, all of a sudden, I felt as though I were not alone. I looked out the corner of my eye without raising my head, and I saw there was somebody standing between the curtains and my doorway. I went on writing as though I didn't notice, but a soft voice brought me around suddenly. Secretary Hawkins, it said, and the sound was soft and mellow, like velvet. I slowly lifted my pen from the page and turned my eyes upon the doorway. Well, I said, and what do you want? It was Rags, the boy with the scar, who once belonged to Pooley's gang. He had his broad hat drawn low upon his forehead so that only the lower half of his face was to be seen. He carried in his arms a number of bags by Jove. They were the same kind of bags that we had seen the old man carry out of the lonely house. I come to ask you something, said the boy with a scar. You have always been nice to me. I kind of feel like you would help me out. So you're in trouble, eh? Might have known it. Nobody ever comes to me lest they're in trouble and want to help them out. Don't you think I get tired of that sort of thing, boy? Why should I help you now, for instance? He smiled. You're always helping somebody. That's right, he said. But I ain't asking you to help me this time. I can get along, but look here. He stepped forward with his armful of bags and dumped them all before me upon my desk. I'm asking you to help me, some of those other fellows this time, he said. And voice was so soft, so kind, that my heart melted right then and there. I'm asking you to help me give this gold. Gold, I broke in. Yeah, gold money that don't belong to me. It belongs to an old man that used to live in the old lonely house up on the creek. Ah, I said, so you are the one who's been taking these bags away every night after the old man put them in the old mill? Is that right, Rags? He winced when I said Rags. He made a motion as if he would raise his hand, but he stepped back and put his hands behind him. Count him, he said simply. I counted the bags. There were thirteen. Once he had fallen upon its side and spilled its yellow pieces upon my desk. Just thirteen, said the boy with a scar. That tells you just how many days I've been taking these bags out of the old mill after the old man put them there. Each night he brought one bag to the mill. Each night I come up and got it as soon as he went away. I nodded my head and for a moment didn't say a thing. The boy with a scar looked at me anxiously. 
You don't think I stole them for myself, do you, Hawkins? he asked. I smiled. No, I said. And if you had, you wouldn't have brought them here tonight, Regs, because you're not going to take them away from here when you go. Ye understand? I want you to give them to the old man, he said. You was with that detective fellow when the old man in the lonely house was caught. You know where he is. I've been searching all over. I can't find out. But you can find him. You will give him these bags. Tell him it's all I could say for him. Tell him it's from the boy with the sad face. He used to call me that. The boy with the scar broke off in a sob and turned away from me. I felt a sudden pull at my old heartstrings. This poor kid with the marked up face was a good scout after all. I stepped up to him where he stood with his back turned to me and I put my arms around his shoulders and patted him on the back. Buck up here, I said. You're with an old friend of yours now, Rag. At that, he turned suddenly, but as quickly he pulled his hat lower upon his face and turned away again, as though he were afraid to let me see his face. At the time, I thought it was because he felt touchy about the scar on his face. It was an ugly, disfiguring welt that would have turned one's heart sick to see, but only his chin being in view, one did not quite get the impression of it when he gave his whole face was exposed, as it found out later on. It was a good ten minutes I had with him to get him to stop crying. I wondered what was going on in his mind. Then later on I understood, but now I couldn't. I will see to it that the old man gets his gold, I said. Believe me, boy, I think a whole lot of you. You could have run away with his money and spend it and I gotta have a good time. I think you are a square and fair fellow for bringing it. Fair and square, he broke in. That's what he used to say. Who, the old man? No, him. I like so well. Pooley. And yet, he was the one I saw stealing. This old man's gold every night. He would leave his nights of the square table gang. He would sneak off alone and go to the old mill and get the sack of gold money that the old man brought there. Hold on, I broke in roughly. Pooley wouldn't have done that. It must have been a long Tom. No, it was Pooley, said the boy with the scar. No use. I tried to believe different too. I didn't want to think that Pooley did it. I liked Pooley so much. But I saw him, Hawkins, I saw him take it, night after night, and then I felt sorry for the poor old man, and I always got there before Pooley did and I got the bag each night for thirteen nights. Thirteen bags, almost two weeks, and then came the night you and skinny guy, and those two men followed the old man. That was the last. After he stopped talking, I couldn't say a word, because I was too surprised and shocked beyond words. I was thinking, a heap, though. Pooley a thief? Pooley, leader of magnificent knights of the square table? A thief? No! I couldn't believe it. Surely, there must have been a mistake. It must have been long, Tom. There was a bunch of noise outside. Our boys returning from their skating frolic on the frozen river. Shadow Loomis and the skinny guide led them. They came trooping into the meeting room, which was dark for it had grown late. Seeing the light in my writing room, they broke in upon us as I hurriedly took my seat in front of my desk. Ah, cried Shadow Loomis. Seeing the boy with the scar, Shadow said the boy with the scar, stepping forward. Both his hands were extended, 
It was the most friendly show a fellow would want, but Shadow snared him away. Get back, shouted Shadow. You neat, messy coward. You wouldn't fight me when you had the chance, would you? When you had all the odds on your side and everything in your favor, you wouldn't fight me, would you? You messy coward. And I guess you think I won't fight you now, because you're in my clubhouse and all my chums are around me, eh? I'd never fight you, Shadow, said the boy with a scar. The day you hit me, I wouldn't fight you because... Shut up, cried Shadow. And I could see that he was mad. Shut up and put your fists because... But here's where I stepped in. I saw the boy with a scar shrink back into a corner, pulling his broad hat over his face as he did so. I stepped between him and Shadow. Just one moment, I said. I'm secretary of this club. If I don't amount to any more, you might as well take my name off your list, and I'll shake hands goodbye all around. I'm going to see that this boy gets out of this clubhouse safely, even if I have to fight you, Shadow Loomis. Shadow fell back as if I had struck him. Nothing could have surprised him more, but I stood firm, and the next thing I knew, Dick Ferris, her captain, stepped between me and Shadow. Boys, he said. We always get along well by following Sig Hawkins. Let's stick to him now. Then came a cheer from every boy in the club except Shadow. I waited for Shadow, but he wouldn't join. However, I walked to the door and drew a po upon it wide. Go, Rags, I said to the boy with a scar. He gave Shadow one last look. It wasn't a look of anger, nor a hard feeling of any kind, but rather of pity and regret. And then he started toward me, where I held the door. As he passed me, I felt a certain feeling as though I had known this boy long ago. I caught his arm. Let me see your face, I said. But he pulled his hat down closer over his face and beat down my hand. No, he said. No, Secretary Hawkins. Not yet. And with that, then he was out of the door and swallowed up in the gloom. There was a strange silence in the clubhouse after he had left. One by one, the boys went home. Shadow was the first to leave, followed by Robbie Hood. At last, there were only two of us there, Dick Ferris and I. After explaining the whole thing to Dick, I pointed to the bags on the table. We can't leave them here, Hawkins, he said. We'd better bring them to Doc Waters' office, which we did. End of chapter 31